you're listening to the private citizen your weekly data privacy podcast episode 29 for friday the 10th of july 2020 privacy is a right not a privilege howdy y'all welcome to the private citizen as i promised i was gonna try to deliver a second episode this week and i'm doing that now now be warned this might be a long episode and it will undoubtedly be a ranty episode i'm fully consigned to that which i might as well start with a beer this is a uh, hoppy joe with uh, there's a if you know that uh ah we'll put a we'll put a picture in the in the show notes there is a um a fish with a with a cap on it and a, a pipe on the on the front and he looks like me and I'm in a ranty mood so uh that's the right beer for today why am I in a ranty mood because as I said two episodes ago I kind of I wanted to wind down the um coronavirus coverage um at least for now and I titled the episode that way um to make it completely clear but of course just when I thought I had gotten out they keep pulling me back in um yeah I have to we'll we'll have to do um we'll have to do another episode on um coronavirus related stuff there is no way around it there is shit happening um here and it's happening in Hamburg. So, oh, I didn't introduce myself because I started right into the rantiness. My name is Fab. I'm coming to you from, as usual, from my home studio, just off runway 33 of Hamburg International Airport. And uh, the story we're talking about today, or some of it, is going to concern Hamburg. Um, it, it happened in Hamburg, so it's like right down on my doorstep. And it's, it's even if that wasn't the case, it would, would, would be pissing me off. And it is pissing me off, so we have to talk about it. Um, so what are we going to talk about today? Um, we're going to talk about COVID-19 related um, privacy problems again, even though I didn't want to. We're going to talk about the way um, they collect data now. I mean, I've talked about this on earlier episodes, you know, when you go to a restaurant, they could collect data now. Um, and how that data is processed and why it's legal to process that data and how the, all of that can be. And then we're going to talk about the story where the Hamburg police actually used that data, which is something we were promised were never going to happen. And of course, it immediately happened. And apparently it's all legal. And um, it's pissing me off. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, aside from pissing me off, I think, I mean, it's uh, it, this is a, this, I'm, I'm not doing this because I want to rant. Well, I also do this podcast because sometimes I want to rant. It just kind of helps me. <laughs> and uh, some people seem to like it. Some people hate it, you know, but that's the way it goes. No, um, I'm doing I'm doing this because I think this is very important. Um, I think this is a very important lesson um, we're learning here. And it is not only important for people in Germany. I mean, obviously, I'm talking English here. This is a podcast for an international audience. Many listeners all around the world, in the US, in the UK, in Australia, in Russia, even in China, apparently, according to my logs. I don't know. Um, which, you know, makes me happy. Um, so listeners all over the world. But since all these restrictions are pretty much, you know, they're similar. And I think you can learn from our example here. I think also we can learn um, this is not only um, 
coronavirus related we can we can learn general things about privacy in this situation right and after that i'm going to talk about feedback that i've received and i have a lot of feedback so that's going to be a very long section as well so just settle in uh, for a very long podcast if you're not driving or anything you might as well uh, grab yourself a cool beverage it'll make this whole thing just be easier on the brain <laughs> because i mean this is some some aggravating shit we're gonna talk about here but we'll have to um, at least it's oh sorry so i'm already gesticulating with my hands at least it's aggravating to me i mean it could be completely yeah you'd be you you might be okay with this and completely cool with that but um in that case i guess you're lucky <laughs> um and also in that case if you think i'm wrong here uh please as always um Copious show notes on privatecitizen.press. Please go there. Contact details are there, um, as you can will be able to tell later. I like to engage with my listeners. I like to, um, or producers, I like to call them. Um, I like to um, engage with with all of you and uh, discuss things with you, and discuss the different viewpoints. This podcast is aimed at making you think for yourself. Don't buy what everybody's just you know all the all the pre-generated viewpoints that everybody keeps publishing i mean we were yes, uh, yesterday uh on the last episode um earlier this week uh you know i talked with mike about journalism and stuff like that and yeah uh, i think it's important that i mean i don't think this is we're going to talk about that later a little bit as well in the feedback but i don't think this is a solution um that can apply to everybody but i feel like um there are people, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of them, where, where this can apply, where you can try to be, um, you know, think for yourself and form your own viewpoints and think about things. And with that, let's get into the topic at hand, which is, of course, coronavirus related. So I can play this wonderful jingle again. Courtesy of the great producers of the No Agenda podcast at noagendashow.com. Thanks for that. So, um, right, quick recap. Um, when Germany started opening back up, um, you know, everything, you know, easing the lockdown, um, as, as I've discussed before, there is no federal German regulation on, on any of this, on any of this corona related stuff the heads of the federal states got together uh, in a zoom call or something with um and they since then if i guess they've been coordinating with uh, chancellor merkel and her government to um discuss what could be done and then kind of um um come up with some regulations that are generally uniform in in the different federal states there are a bit different locally and you know some some of the some states did some stuff earlier and then other followed suit and stuff like that now the good thing with that is kind of generally if you're traveling in germany which you know i mean if you're a listener from the US, germany's tiny right this would be like you gotta imagine this would be like texas was divided in into 16 different counties and they all had different laws 
right? It's, I mean, I don't know, is Texas bigger than Germany? It probably is. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 just ridiculous. Now, the good thing about this is that they got together and talked about all of this is that it's generally relatively uniform. So if you travel along, you know, in Germany, you'll not be like, oh, I'm visiting somebody in Berlin and they have completely different rules and then I have to like get used to completely different rules. So that's positive. The downside is there is really no, our constitution, like we're a federal, you know, it's called the uh, Bundesrepublik Deutschland, the Federal Republic of Germany. And the federal is an important part of this, kind of like it is in the US. It is different, um, but it has a kind of the same, like if you're from the US, um, it has kind of the same reasons behind it. It's a checks and balances thing. It's, uh, you know, it's it, our system was set up in a way as to not give the federal government too much power. I mean, they, they have a lot of power, but like certain things like education and health and stuff like that are in the purview of the federal state. So there are differences um, with things, but there is really no construct like this where where it was ever foreseen that you know the the federal government would um i mean they they you know they um kind of coordinate things you know there is a so all the for example with education all the education ministers and all of the different federal states they of course they get together on a federal level and discuss things but it is not generally from a constitutional you know point of view like as a as a scholar as somebody who's you know studying politics or history or something it's not it's it's hard to say it's not like that it's like forbidden for the government to tell the federal states to do stuff but you know we don't like to see that because it kind of subverts the whole system it's kind of that that gets rid of the point and the way they all just like immediately agree to all the same things in this um coronavirus situation was something that had never happened in, in, in you know in the in the history of the federal republic before here and it's kind of to me it's worrying but i've talked about that on earlier episodes so you know if if you want to if you're just new to the show and you're actually interested in all of this i mean I've, i did on and off some coronavirus coverage and some people um really liked it other people just didn't want to hear it in the moment um then now if you want to go back or if you haven't heard it um every uh, the show notes every uh, you know the episode of the show note in the show notes every episode has like um there's uh, some information at the top under the title if you go to the show notes so for this episode it would be um privatecitizen.press slash episode slash 29 right and then at the top there's like a link to my website and there's like the show notes link and the mp3 link and there's tags so if you go if you click on coronavirus you basically find all the episodes where i talked about this so that you can go back and listen to stuff if you're really interested oh don't know if you hear that but there's a stuka attacking my flat again mm-hmm. sometimes these little uh spot you know these private planes when they approach the airport they're doing crazy shit <laughs> uh, he was it sounded like he was coming in way too hot but i don't know it's got a very long runway to work with <laughs> that's one of the interesting things the airport is i mean starting back up again but it was like really deserted for a while and you had all these private planes going in and just imagine you have like this runways massive runway which is actually made for uh, airbus a380 right and you land on that with like a little chestnut <laughs> that would be amazing 
Um, but anyway, so they had, so they, um, the federal states all got together and, you know, they, they had a thing with Merkel. And, and one of the things they decided later on, I think uh, Niedersachsen sh- started with this, um, when they opened back up, they were like, okay, in restaurants, we want people, restaurants and other establishments, this stuff like, you know, like, um, nail salons and you know i went to a massage uh, the other week so there you have to do it too <coughs> sorry um it's not coronavirus i've got i've got allergies <laughs> i have no chance of contracting coronavirus right now because nothing will get through <laughs> my, my hay fever stuff my nose is so fucked uh but anyway um so you put your name. So in, in Hamburg right now, um, you know, Niedersachsen started it and then other federal states did it as well. And in Hamburg right now, you have to put down your name, your address, and your telephone number. And that's for everybody who's there, right? Everybody has to put that down. Um, and so, so you know, I did that, for example, when I went to the, the massage place. And um, they do that for a reason that makes sense. So if they have an outbreak there... Um, and they want to do contact tracing, like the manual thing, not the thing with the app, um, they can, you know, phone everybody and ask them if they have symptoms and they can tell them, you know, you might be, have been in contact with like this person who was there at, at roughly the same time. Oh, you have to put down the time you're there as well. Um, so usually you do that with paper lists and those have to, th- those are capped for 14 days, which is, you know, the generally accepted incubation period. And then there are destroyed. That's what they're saying. Now, um, <laughs> that that's been happening, and I've been I've been filling out these things when I'm you know I go out to a restaurants again now because why not? And um, I fill these out, and I'm you know I'm I'm filling out my eighth thing like in three days, and I'm just sitting there and thinking. I'm sitting there at lunch in a restaurant or what you know in a little thing eating a burger or whatever and I'm 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 thinking about work right and I'm thinking about this and I'm like so how come we have the GDPR and we we we've made all these rules and these uh, what, what companies originally and lawyers and everybody start to call like draconian privacy rules and and now I'm just like everywhere I go I have to put my address on my full name my address just imagine that a year ago just imagine that a year ago. Just imagine going everywhere you go. Uh, you'd have to like put your, you know, if you go somewhere, uh, have to put your address down. Now, people people say, well, but you don't have to go to a restaurant. That's true. But I want to go to a restaurant. And a thing, which which is why I called this episode "Privacy is the Right, Not a Privilege." Privacy is not a privilege. Where I am here in Europe. Privacy is not a privilege. Privacy is a right. Because on the website, on the European Commission's website about data protection, where it links to the GDPR and all this kind of stuff, the European Commission says, and I quote, the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights stipulates that EU citizens have the right to protection of their personal data. The right. It's a right. It's not a privilege. Now, one of the uh, reasons, you know, one of the outgrowths of that is the GDPR, which is legislation that was pushed specifically uh, by the German government. It is modeled in parts after our data protection laws that we had before. 
and it was greatly influenced by the German government and it, it is designed with German sensibilities in mind, right? So we, we made the EU accept EU-wide this very wide-ranging privacy law. And now how come it's suddenly it's okay to force everybody to do mass data collection when they go out in public? How, how is that... Um, how is that that that's the question I'm asking myself with this podcast why how do, how do, how does that happen now? Why are executive organs of the state allowed to access and use this data even we were even even if we were told like initially we were explicitly told by the people in charge that this would never happen and why is there no huge outcry about this? Now, at first, and I talked about this about this podcast, I, you know, I read in several places and people told me, well, and I listened to, to podcasts and people said, well, you know, they're doing this, this record keeping's done with pen and paper. So the GDPR doesn't apply. Now that's nonsense because I, you know, in response to that, I actually went and looked at the GDPR and um, the GDPR is exp one of the tenets and one of the ideas behind the GDPR is that it is completely technology agnostic. It's written in such a way that it does not mention, it does not stipulate anything based on the technology. It just stipulates based on types of data and usage cases. And that is done, of course, also to make it future-proof, right? So if somebody comes up with a new technology, it's not like you have to change the law again. So Article 4 of the GDPR says, and I quote, it's talking about data processing, quote, processing, processing, quote, means any operation or set of operations which is performed on personal data or on sets of personal data, whether or not by automated means, such as collection, recording, organization, structuring, storage, adaptation, or alteration, retrieval, consultation, use, disclosure by transmission, dissemination, or otherwise making available, alignment or combination, restriction, erasure, or destruction. With other words, it doesn't have to be automated. So putting stuff on pen and paper, the GDPR clearly applies. So I was like, okay, so the GDPR applies in this case. Now, how come they're doing this? Uh, you know, something that uh, just imagine a year ago, a, 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 government, a, um, a company, you know, you, you want to go to Apple, you want to, you want, you want to enter the Apple store to look at their phones and an Apple employee stops you and says, no, we have new rules. You will have to put your address down if you enter the store. If they did that a year ago, that would have been a public outcry. Yes, you do not have to go into the Apple store, but that's not the point. I mean, we talked about, um, you know, when we talked about the the, the COVID app, uh, the tra tracing app here in Germany, about this concept of is something really voluntary and what does that mean? You know, if you want to hear more details on that, you can go back to, to those episodes. But um, that, you know, that would have been a huge outcry. Now, if if you if you look into this and so for example i found a um an article on noyb noib uh which i think stands for none of your business is a european privacy group advocacy group it was founded by max schrems uh max schrems who's still the air it's uh chairman i think and he's the guy who um is 
gotten famous for suing Facebook, uh, you know, for for data for not um, complying with European data laws. Basically, he's a, he's an Austrian guy. Um, now, if you if they they wrote uh, several things, and I'm I'm quoting from one of their articles here. Um, which is basically how does the GDPR apply in this new coronavirus situation? And they're mostly talking about those apps. But still, um, Max Schrems and Neub argues that, quote, the GDPR explicitly provides for data processing in the fight against epidemics. Data protection laws must therefore be not be waived, but simply observed. Article 6.1d and 9.2i of the GDPR allow, according to the recitals of the GDPR, the processing of data, for instance, for the fight against cross-border threats to health or to combat epidemics. Now, the I think the, the most relevant comment here in the GDPR, you know, commenting on this, says, and I'm quoting again from the GDPR, the, proce the processing of personal data should also be regarded to be lawful where it is necessary to protect an interest which is essential for the life of the data subject or that of another natural person. Processing of personal data based on the vital interest of another natural person should in principle take place only where the processing cannot be manifestly based on another legal basis. Some types of processing may serve both important grounds of public interest and the vital interest of the data subject as, for instance, when processing is necessary for humanitarian purposes including for monitoring, monitoring epidemics and their spread or in situations of humanitarian emergencies, in particular situations of natural and man-made disasters. Now, this was obviously put in, I don't know what other laws uh, this, this, this was put in to make, uh, to be, sorry, uh, microphone here, um, to be, you know, to be, um, for the GDPR to be to be uh, compatible with laws, but it, in Germany, it did, I mean, this was definitely put in to make it compatible with the in, uh, Infektionsschutzgesetz, which I talked about very early on in the show. You know, if you have a, if you have certain um, certain um, infections, they have to be mandatorily reported, and we talked about that a lot. Um, so it it's definitely there to make it compatible. Now, what I find worrying here is. So they clearly wrote the GDPR with something like this in mind. Now, what I've criticized in the beginning in Germany is that they put the uh, SARS-CoV-2 into the, the list of these infectious diseases because traditionally we're talking about very, very dangerous diseases here that were in that list. Traditionally, we're talking about stuff like Ebola and stuff like that, uh, like the bubonic plague. And there was a big panic in the beginning with this new virus, but we know now, and I've talked about this two episodes ago, specifically, um, we now know that the danger to the health of an average person is not as high as we thought. We know that the people that are seriously affected by this are generally older that that you know they have other diseases that doesn't mean um it's not a dangerous disease and you know you could argue 
should it be in the Infektionsschutzgesetz, you know, should the, should the, the government track? You can argue all of that. What I'm saying is, I feel like you have to argue that. Right? You, it, this is not a life-threatening to the disease to the average person in the population. That's just a fact. Right? If you pick, if you take a hundred Germans randomly, completely randomly, and they'll be infect and you infect them with this disease, you know, chances are nobody's gonna die. This this is like or or even have serious health effects, right? This is like maybe it's more like one in in five thousand, two thousand, and it's not just obviously not just random it's certain groups of people now i'm not saying they shouldn't be protected and they, there shouldn't be laws and you should you should do things like you know this data collection you know what i'm saying is there should be a public discussion about if this is justified with all that we know now we shouldn't just accept that this is like a life-threatening situation and what i find what I find serious is that generally privacy experts and generally other techies, I feel, you know, I listen to a lot of techie podcasts and everybody who talks about this from like this bubble just accepts that 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 all the measures have been necessary, that the government is right, that they're listening to the quote, listening to the science. Um, everybody just accepts that that this is uh you know, that, that this is more important than the privacy concerns. And while I at some level expect that from a certain techie audience, um, you know, because they're generally um, relatively progressive people who err on the side of utilitarianism, um, where they think, yes, the, say, the state should protect people. You know, they're, they're, they're generally, you know, techie people tend to be technocratic. They feel like, you know, the, the intelligent people for, to, to just simplify it a lot, should, should like rule the planet, right? So we should have a meritocracy and the most intelligent people should be at the top. And if the intelligent people, in this case, you know, the scientists, the virologists say something, uh, then we should do that. So that doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is that the subset of those people who are privacy people and privacy advocates are also not arguing this. You know, they are blankly accepting that this is a life-threatening situation and that, that privacy have to come second. And, you know, if you listen to this whole... If you go further in this NOYB article and what Schrems is saying, you, you kind of get, you know, that's exactly what they're saying. So... Quoting here further on, uh, the laws provide for the use of data in the fight against Corona. By the way, I fucking, this is a German problem. I fucking hate it when they just call it Corona. <laughs> it's, it's not the fucking beer. It's either a coronavirus, it's SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus, or you could talk about the disease, which is COVID-19. But to call it just Corona, you, you sound like a moron. But anyway, Max Schrems calls it Corona. So the laws provide for the use of data in the fight against Corona, but only in reasonable ways. The law, the law limits the use of data to what is absolutely necessary, together with concepts such as privacy by design, or so I could call it, Datensparsamkeit. It is possible to develop legally sound apps and systems that help fight this epi epidemic. So this is based on apps, but I, you know, still there stands kind of. 
So the question is not if it if it's possible to use personal data, but how to do this properly. Now I have a yes, that's generally what the GDPR says. But that doesn't mean as a privacy advocate. So you know, somebody I would um I would expect to be on the more fundamentalist side when it comes to privacy, because I mean we on the other side we have Facebook and we have all these um, post-privacy people, you know, we have the other sides well represented. We need some people representing the 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 out there side of privacy, where they think basically everything, you know, right to privacy is paramount above everything. Like if if the privacy advocates aren't arguing for that, nobody will. And so my question is: So do you think? If you're Max Schrems, do you think that collecting everyone's name and full contact details every time they visit a restaurant is absolutely necessary? Like, my problem here is people just assume that this is a life-threatening situation. Which it isn't. I mean... Don't get me wrong. Again, I'm. if we have a public discussion, let's say in Germany... And we did, we look at the pros and cons. And then in the end, we decide, yes, it's probably so if we do this on a voluntary basis, like nobody will put their fucking name down in Germany. Let's assume that. Um, and if we then come to the conclusion that, yes, we have to have policy where we basically force restaurants or other, you know, establishments like that to, to, to do this, you know, otherwise we'll close them down. And so they'll have to enforce it and customers will have to adhere by that. And if we come to the conclusion in the end that that is completely justified, it just needs to happen now because uh, we want to fight this epidemic and it's very important. Then so be it. My problem is that this discussion isn't happening. It's just assumed. Everybody just goes, yeah, sure. This, this discussion is not happening in the media. It's not happening anywhere. It's maybe happening with, you know, private people. But I mean, like in a public, with private citizens, one could say. Um, but in a public arena, in the talk shows, this isn't discussed. Because the, you're, you're looked at as a conspiracy theorist uh, monster if you say, well, has anybody ever like thought about maybe not doing this? and that's the problem this this discussion is isn't happening and everybody's automatically in agreement the question is like isn't it the job of privacy advocates to to kick off that discussion and um well, let's let, let's quote. Uh, let's let's read a little bit more here from from here. And N O Y B and Max Schrems. These systems are not meant to guess what advertisements we may be interested in, but to ensure the health of the population. We therefore need specific, accurate, and correct information for statistic, rough and anonymous for for statistics. I think they mean statistics. Rough and anonymous data is often sufficient. For attempts to record chains of infection, however, you need highly accurate data that may be stored locally and encrypted at the user's premises. I think they mean on the user's premises, but okay. Um, this is all assumptions. 
right? So you're basically saying, okay, if 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 we're fighting Facebook and advertising, then you have a right to privacy. If it's for the good of the republic, for the good of the people, for the health, for, you know, for the health of the population, then you don't. Because then our right to know what's happening trumps your right to privacy. And, you know, if a state as a whole and a legislature comes to this, uh, this understanding, then yes, you know, then that is so. But how can you as a privacy advocate make that your default position? I don't, I don't get that. Like you should be the one, you know, that this is how it works. This is why, um, you have lobbyists and people pushing, they're always pushing for extreme positions because you have all these extreme positions and then you get, you know, politics is making compromises. You know, things get, get compromised, you know, compromise get developed and it gets whittled down. That's why you start with a position that's more extreme than the one you want to get to. Right? If you, if you're an activist and if you're a lobbyist, whatever, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, just for different you know, reasons. Um, and if you start with the, with the opinion that everybody else has, then you get nothing done. Then you don't need to exist. There's no point in you being there. I feel. Um, and then there's obviously other problems we'll get to, but before we do that, I'll need to, Oh no, I'm breaking everything. Um, sorry. My eyes, I can't see. I need some, uh, I need some eye drugs. Just give me a sec. Yes, I could edit this out, <laughs> but I kind of, I kind of feel like it. I want you to be, to feel my pain, to be part of my pain. Oh, God, this is better. Now I look like I'm crying, but since this is an audio medium, you can't see. And now I just need another sip of beer and then it'll, It'll start happening and I can see again and I can read. Now, the problem is, of course, also that this, I mean, he talks about, you know, data should be stored locally and encrypted on the user's premises. Of course, it's not encrypted, not encrypted at all. Like it's either stored pen or paper somewhere, which isn't encrypted, or now it's actually stored increasingly start digitally now if you do if you go out now these days you will find that all of these you know lots of um restaurants especially the uh, modern hipster places and burger places and pokey places i go to um they usually have table reservation systems and these companies um have now figured out that hey maybe we should give people uh the abilities instead of like putting a list with pen and paper uh at the entrance of the restaurant uh, why don't they just put a qr code on the table you scan that with your phone and you get a web interface and you enter your information there great idea except of course it's often absolutely unsecure now case in point uh, there was a story uh, recently uh, based on a findings by the Swiss uh, InfoSec uh, group uh, Mod Zeros, like a pen testing company, and they went to eat somewhere. And um, yeah, basically, they figured out that there's a big company in Switzerland, it's a startup called Lunchgate, 
appropriate name, by the way. Uh, Lunchgate. <laughs> how, how, why would you call a company gate? Like, I mean, I mean, after Watergate. Uh, anyway. So their table reservation system, uh, it's called For a Table, and that has has this feature built in. Now, <laughs> the Mod Zero uh, InfoSec guy um, didn't, didn't take him long to figure out, oh, okay, so you enter your data, yep, and then you get a, like a link uh, which shows the page, you know, what data you've entered. And basically that's just an ID. And oh, lo and behold, that ID just counts up and you can just increment uh, decrement that ID and just get everybody else's um, information. And of course, you can do that automatically and get thousands of people. Um, then they say, you know, they delete the data after 14 days. Nope, didn't do that. Can go further back, get all the information. So this uh, tool is used by 900 restaurants in Switzerland. And, you know, they have the data of uh, 200, over 200,000 guests already in the system. Now, of course, uh, Mod Zero went to them and told them and they fixed it immediately. Uh, they said, oh no, we didn't save the data longer than 14 days. That was like backups or whatever. And we fixed that now too, too. sure. I bet you all, all like a lot of systems are like that. I bet if I go to a restaurant in Germany and do that the next time you're in Hamburg somewhere, it'll be the exact same thing. So, uh, you know, that's for your encrypted and locally stored stored data. And you know that's 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 how it then happens in reality, right? But of course, that isn't everything. Uh, even if you store it in pen and paper, the data can still be misused. And you know, as happened here in Hamburg. So um, when they when the federal state said we are collecting this information, everybody. Everybody in charge was saying, it's only, it's only, you can do this, it's not scary, it's only going to be used for tracing. It's only going to be, only the local health authorities will have access to this, promise, you know, it's never going to be used for anything else. Right, clearly absolute bullshit, because last week, uh, Hamburg police... Uh, was found to have accessed the guest registration of, you know, for this coronavirus-related stuff, uh, of the vegan restaurant Loving Hut, which is in uh, in the Neustadt here. And um, this was because apparently an unknown person had uh, supposedly threatened bystanders on the street with a box cutter. Uh, and the police... You know, people had apparently seen this, but, you know, the police needed more witnesses. They didn't know. And so they were ordered by the district attorney in Hamburg here um, to call everyone on that restaurant list and uh, see if they've uh, if they've seen um, anything. Now, one of the guests in, in our case, uh, you know, I think this wasn't probably the first time this, this happened. Um... But one of the one of the guests in this case uh, was a, was an attorney who made the whole thing public on Twitter, and now we know about it. Now there was a story on Golem about this, and they asked Hamburg's data protection officer, like, how come? 
And apparently this is legal. So police is allowed to ask for such data uh, from third parties, i.e. restaurants, um, to find witnesses. So German uh, data protection laws, so our local um, data protection regulations, which exist in accordance and, you know, kind of alongside the stuff we, we have for the GDPR, um, say that uh, such data can be accessed by police for the prosecution of criminal offenses and misdemeanors. But only, according to the Hamburg Data Protection Officer, only if these interests trump the interests of the affected person to keep the data undisclosed. Now, when they were asked, so the data protection officer, the person in charge for, of this kind of thing, in charge of oversight of laws, of the executive, of how everything's handled, uh, when asked whether that was the case here, they said they didn't have enough information and couldn't decide it. Great. But apparently everything's, everything's above board. And, you know, that's by far not the only problem. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this has happened in other federal states. I mean, it's been reported since that this is happening, that the police is doing it. But, you know, there are just lists lying around. So some some privacy people did, like, tests in, in restaurants in Hamburg. And it turns out in a third of, of these establishments, the lists are just lying around unsecured. And basically anybody can just look over them. And yes, you will say, of course, you can enter fake names and fake addresses. Yes, you can do all of that. But that's not the point. The point here is that we have laws that prevent corporations from collecting our data and from misusing our data. And, and that the EU says we have a right, a fundamental right to privacy. And I'm not about, I, I'm not talking about how you can circumvent this or if you need to, you know, do you need to go to a restaurant or stay at home if you worry? No, I have a right. I have a right to privacy. And why do we have all these laws that, that keep corporations from misusing our data? But as soon as the government does it, it's okay. And I don't give a fuck that it is legal. And I don't give a fuck that our laws say you, so, they can do this. The point I'm making here is the laws shouldn't say that. Then we need to change our laws. They fucking promised. They promised. Literally, they promised explicitly that this wouldn't happen. That this, this data would only be used by local health authorities to do tracing. Explicitly. The police has no business having this data. And I don't give a fuck if there's pre-existing laws that say the police can do this. Then we need to change these fucking laws. Or or we need to change this fucking coronavirus uh, policies that now require everybody put, to put their name down. Because when we agreed that this was happening as, as citizens, as the people who live in Germany, it was promised to us that the police wouldn't use this. And now you say, well, but they're just looking for witnesses and, you know, you're, they can't do this if they're actually investigating you. Yeah, they can't. I don't know. You know, who, who says that, like, state security agencies aren't doing this? Who says that intelligence services aren't using this data? Right? That if they want to, I don't know what for. I don't give a fuck. It, it shouldn't be happening. The fact that the police is now using this data should cause us to to say no we want this collection revoked uh 
when you said we're doing this, you said we're doing this because of COVID-19 and we want to fight this pandemic. Now, I have several arguments. The pandemic isn't as bad as we thought. It is clearly not as deadly as we thought to the general population. Right? It, we are clearly not in a situation right now where it's running, running rampant through Germany. It's not. There was, there were, there are always isolated cases, right? And there's, there's like, how, okay, let me, oh God, I haven't looked at this way. Just, okay, let me look this up. Robert Koch Institute. Institute Corona Falzer. Let's look at let's look at the ni nice page. Let's look how many cases we had yesterday. Okay, 395 cases in all of Germany. New cases yesterday. One in Hamburg. One case with one case per day. One case. It's always like between six and one case. One case. So you're telling me we have to. Everybody that goes into a restaurant every day, any, anywhere in Hamburg has to put their fucking name and contact details down all the time, everywhere, for one case a fucking day? For 261 deaths in Hamburg since this whole thing started? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, y I'm, I'm as always. I don't want to just rant at you. You know, if you have different opinions, please. I'm, I'm, I mean this. Please make yourself heard. But I, I personally, I feel betrayed. They promised us. It, it, I'm saying this as if I'm like, you know, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm using a bit of hyperbole here, right? I didn't, ex you know. That's 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 my actual point. It's not like I was as naive. To, as naive to think that when they said that that would would actually happen but you know emotionally that emotion is still there i feel they said it even though i didn't believe it when they said it they said it and now they fucking stabbed us in the back even though i knew that would happen they stabbed us in the back so what the f what the what good is the GDPR if it holds accountable companies, but it doesn't hold accountable our own government? Like, what are these, you know, you have like highfalutin statements by the EU. Oh, citizens have the right to protection of their president. Yeah, what the, but in, in practice, no. No, there's an emergency. Emergency. Emergency, emergency, health emergency. You need all your data now. Fuck you. Like, it's not a privilege that, that you can just take away whenever you feel like it. It's a right. And a right should mean something, even if we're in a, um, if we're in a crisis. That's, that's when you can actually see if rights are, if you have rights. Right? That's when they're worth something. Something. That's when you see when push comes to shove. That's when you see is this actually is is the the ink on the paper actually worth a damn? But um, <laughs> to, to get a, to get get away from the ranting, I think what we can see here 
I think something is coming true that I said months ago. I said months ago that the people advocating for these measures always say it's for the best of everybody and then we're not going to misuse this and it's it's all going to be good. Generally, we are on your side. We think you should have privacy. But in this case, in this one case, the situation is just so bad that, um, you know, trust us, trust us, give up, give up your rights in this regard. And it's, it's all going to be good. And what we see now, and I said back then, that's bullshit because that's what everybody would say, right? If they maliciously try to take your rights away, that's what they would say. And that we can't trust such statements as, um, it's not going to be misused. The only way to make sure that data is not going to be misused is if it's not collected in the first place. So that's where we need to fight. And that's what I'm why I'm saying this collection is questionable because it's gone it's it's being I said it's going to be misused and it it is being misused. You know, and that's not the only case. I mean, I talked months ago. I talked about the fact when the police was going uh, in in Niedersachsen, whatever, or in Baden-Württemberg, you know, in several places where they were, where they, where the police was asked were asking the local health authorities for data, you know, to know who was infected, and everybody was saying that is not legal. The data, you know, in that case, even the data protection officers were like, that's clearly not legal. They're still doing it. When that when that supermarket started measuring everybody's temperature, every you know all the privacy experts, all the data protection officers said that this your 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 recording health data that is probably not legal. You know, and Edeka stopped doing it. The one Edeka, whatever that was, the supermarket chain stopped doing it. Now Apple's been doing it for weeks, months now almost, in all of their stores. Nobody fucking cares. Nobody's stopping them. And people are just accepting this. This is that that's the problem with this whole thing. That is the danger. And that's I, I believe also something I said from the beginning. Um if we just if the media just keeps repeating and repeating and you know the public the printed opinion basically the the, the publicized opinion is this is really dangerous people are, people are dying it's, it's very dangerous and we have to do these measures and then it's all going to be good and people stop stop thinking about stuff <sighs> it's just it's pissing me off Stuff I thought was going to happen is happening and it's pissing me off. I don't want to be, I don't want to be right on this, but it's, it is, it is really disappointing. And I kind of feel like, like, I don't know. One thing I would really like your input. If you're listening to the show and you've never written in, um, please consider writing in. I mean, there's contact details, uh, privatecitizen.press is the website. You can go to fab.industry slash contact. It's basically where the link goes. Fab.industries, fab, F-A-B, fox.alphabravo.industries slash contact. Um, and there's a, please, if you want to be anonymous, there's an anonymous whistleblower contact form. Just use that. And tell me what's going on. What, what you, what, what you think. Tell me what you think about this. Right? 
do you do you do you feel the same way do you feel like this doesn't matter um do you feel like you are happy that the gdpr is stopping companies from doing stuff and do you feel that is worse than the police doing stuff um even you know of course yeah, there's differences, right? Facebook does this, for example, Facebook, you know, where Max Schrems is, is gotten famous fighting against, um, is doing this to millions of people and basically everybody. In this case, you know, it's just the people that were in the, in that restaurant in Hamburg and were on that list, right? It's probably like 30 people or something. Yes. Um, that, you know, maybe, maybe it's the scale. Is the scale more important to you? Um, to me, it's just I feel worried. Um, I feel... Uh, to me, it feels a lot more sinister when the, when the government's doing it. Uh, but maybe I'm the only one. You know, maybe I'm, I'm completely um, out of my mind here. So I, I, I would like to know. I would like uh, to know what you think about it. I think my takeaway from this is... Um, we have to be even more stringent to prevent data collection, to prevent the government, companies, whatever, from collecting data in the first place. Um, you know, on our side, Datensparsamkeit, uh, you know, we have to be careful and think about what data we put where, um, because it's it's clear that once the data is collected somewhere, no matter what the rules are, things are going to happen that maybe we didn't foresee in the first place. And, you know, it might be a company and then they get fined a bit and they basically don't care. Um, or it might be the government where they're suddenly, oh, well, these rules don't apply to us. It's set, it's set in all those laws. You know, it's clear. You know, it's set in the GDPR. If something really bad happens, if a pandemic happens, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, I think we the the only ways you know to to control the data at at the origin point basically, and just not let it not be collected because once it's collected, all bets are off. Anyway, um, that was enough ranting from me. Let's let's hear. Let's hear from you. And uh, I have a... I think this this balances quite well. After this ranty segment, I now have a longer feedback segment with lots of feedback from people um, who have different viewpoints than me. So I hope that's going to balance everything out a bit. Um, of course, we're going to talk about topics from previous shows. So it's going to be um, also a lot of non-coronavirus related stuff. But, you know... Let's get into that. We've got Paul Quirk, uh, who's from Canada, and he wrote me on the Fediverse, and um, he, he is, let me just look him up, he is at quirk at mastodon.social, and he he, uh, he agrees, uh, he, oh, no, sorry, he disagrees with a previous report from another Canadian listener. So Paul says, I'm from Southern Ontario listening to episode 21 and found you've been fed misinformation. Nobody has been arrested for going outside where I live. My wife and I went for our walk 
every day. My wife and I went for a walk every day during lockdown. Okay, let's let me just stop there. I can't remember that other listener who um I don't remember his name. I don't want to look it up. Doesn't matter. I don't remember him him saying that people got arrested. I think we were talking about getting fined. And, you know, the fact that you di- went for a walk every day, that doesn't prove anything, right? Um, I mean, I went, you know, there were there were rules here in place. I mean, you wouldn't get arrested and you wouldn't really get fined because they were like, they were basically shaming you into staying at home here. <laughs> That's basically what's going on. But, you know, you could you could have just never seen, you could go for a walk every day and there's just no police around. So you never can see anybody. Um, so that that's on that first topic. Also, the assault rifle ban wasn't a power grab. It was debated in Parliament for years, and the timing is coincidence. I still have my hunting rifles. I'm just not allowed to buy any assault. Buy an assault gun designed to indiscriminately kill dozens of people in a matter of seconds. Okay, let's um, reply to that. Uh, we, you know, we talked about gun laws as well. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm gesticulating wildly. Um, with that Canadian listener and they've, um, you know, there was a, a shooting in Canada and they've uh, started tightening uh, the uh, the gun control in Canada. And Paul sent some links that, you know, with his stuff that I'll, I've also put in the show notes. Um, now that it was debated in Parliament for years um, doesn't mean that it wasn't a power grab, right? You can plan power grabs for a long time. Uh, the timing is a co- coincidence. Mm, could happen as somebody who studied politics these i just feel these things generally are not coincidences i mean there's lots of laws that are being passed that have been passed in this i mean everywhere in the u.s in germany i'm I'm pretty sure in canada as well where just people were distracted with other things doing this thing um classical thing in the u.s is the patriot act um, where you know there was a big thing going on with the, with terrorism with 9/11, and then they just slipped random stuff into the Patriot Act that people would have probably never agreed to being passed. And you know there was just oh we need this act fight terrorism. Don't look in all these little sections that are at the end like all the other stuff we passed. Um, so I I don't know could be a coincidence. <clears throat> um, with these things with politicians and the way the system works everywhere. I just I just doubt it's a coincidence. But anyway, um, now the assault gun designed to indis- indiscriminately kill dozens of people. You're not allowed to buy that, right? Um, I thought I'm not a not a specialist on Canada Canada's gun laws, whatever. I think you were never allowed to buy that. the The problem here is this is also a problem with the media. I talked about last episode. Okay, an assault rifle is a very specific kind of weapon. An assault rifle is a rifle, right? It uses rifle ammunition. It generally uh, has a shorter barrel than, say, a hunting rifle, but, you know, could be could be the same length barrel. But, you know, it uses rifle ammunition. And an assault rifle, per definition, is an automatic weapon, right? An AR-15... is not an assault rifle. The the what the what's the uh, the Colt? What's the, what's the what's the thing it's modeled after? I have to look this up. Um, so the AR-15. I mean, is is it's it's modeled after that? Uh, the 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 military 
rifle, right? Yeah, the the the, the, the M16 carbine, right? That's an automatic rifle. Right? That's automatic, right? Now, generally, um, the AR-15, I think there are automatic versions, but, you know, generally what we're talking about here is a rifle that looks like that, looks exactly like an assault rifle, but does not have automatic fire. It's a semi-automatic rifle. Now, in that respect, it's exactly like your hunting rifle. It does the same thing. Might have a bigger magazine, but, you know, they're hunting rifles with bigger magazines. Now, people have an argument in the fact that because this is, like, modeled after an assault rifle, these are generally very, very easy to modify with with minimal parts you take take you know the receiver part and then you put some parts in or take some parts out or whatever and then you have a you have you can you can you have automatic fire now um th that's an argument there but you know if you have a law where basically automatic which is you have in many countries you know where you, you're allowed to have a rifle for certain reasons but you're not allowed to have a rifle with automatic fire because that's a military weapon. And that falls on the military and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, so in the US, in the media, they generally call these things, like the AR-15, um, assault-style weapons, which is a completely bullshit term. Because basically what that is is a weapon that looks like an assault rifle but isn't, isn't one, right? That's like... If you outlawed sports cars, right, and I had a, yeah, if you if you all outlawed like Lamborghini type sports cars, right, and I if I had a Golf that was styled like a Lamborghini, that would be a Lamborghini style car, and then that would be outlawed as well, something, you know, that it's just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And the only difference between your hunting rifle and a rifle like that is maybe the ammunition size, but it's basically, you know, it's, um, it's basically in four, I mean, I, I always found this very weird. You know, in Germany, we have much stricter gun laws probably than you have in Canada after the new laws. Uh, we have much stricter gun laws, gun laws than in the US. Although, you know, on the other hand, they're not this strict because I think on... On uh, if you if you count uh, weapons per per head, we're just after the U.S. in Germany. But you know they're all like you know they're not AR-15s. Any weapons like that are not allowed in Germany. I mean they're all like um, either pistols for target shooting um, or you know hunters with with hunting rifles. And these hunting rifles, I mean they're they're just. <laughs> I always felt like they, they, they are. I mean, I'm I'm a proponent of 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 of, of uh, um, you know strict gun laws, um, but I always thought like you know you have a hunting rifle and it's just like it's 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 almost like it's it's deliberately archaic, right? It's like I mean they look like rifles from like 200 years ago, right? If you went okay, you're a hunter, you need to shoot deer. And uh, we, we want to give you the best tool for the job, right? You, you'd probably come up, I mean, it wouldn't look like an AR-15, but you would come up with a, you know, you'd have a bigger magazine because that's just handy. Like if you need to shoot two rabbits in a row or three, you know, you don't have to go a bolt action, whatever. You know, you just have a, just a magazine go pop, pop, 
top so three rabbits are dead right so it, it, it it's it's almost a bit weird i mean yes the hunting rifle has a longer barrel and is therefore not as useful like if you want to storm let's say a school and shoot some people but it's a rifle it's the same kind of bullet okay i mean assault rifles usually have intermediary bullets so they're, they're a bit smaller whatever but you know a rifle bullet is fucking like if, you, if that hits you you know if a proper hunting rifle bullet if that hits you that's gonna you know that that's that's ugly you know that's a, that's a whole different thing than getting hit by a handgun um so i i was thought like this stuff is yeah it's like all these arbitrary rules you know i i don't want to get too deep into the, the discussion here but i feel like i feel it's interesting that you that they wrote that and i think it's it's cool that you know we have different reports on canada and different opinions of people um but I find, I mean, I, f I always found this stuff uh, a bit, a bit weird. I'm, I'm generally, generally a, a proponent of, uh, of you know, strict gun laws, and I think it works. Um, it certainly works pretty well in Germany, especially if you consider how many guns we actually have, and and how little stuff is happening. It's just like these um arguments that are brought forth on both sides i mean the, the nra arguments in the u.s are silly but so are like the democrats that want to get rid of the guns they're like oh we get rid of all these violence no i mean we have shootings in hamburg it's not like you you know criminals will still have access to pistols right and they don't you know you don't need a you don't need an assault rifle to go into school and shoot 50 people right you can do that with a glock which you can easily used for target shooting i mean if you're if you're good with that thing you know you, i mean the assault rifle doesn't really i mean automatic fire the, the, the funny thing is that like talk to somebody who's been in the military automatic fire doesn't you doesn't like talk to like a you know a police uh special um you know SWAT team something you know i, I actually did the shooting with with a guy from the sak which is like a it's a german police special forces and you know they, they never like they never use auto fire nobody in the military use fucking auto fire or automatic fire on assault rifles just waste the ammunition right and most use like this three burst thing it's just like this is all like politicized politicized crap Right, that SEK guy, if he wants to, if, if he goes berserk, right, he, he the only thing he needs is like his Glock. He doesn't need an assault rifle to, to kill a lot of people. Um, anyway. Um, so uh, apparently, um, well, there's an, if you want to know more, there's an article that uh, Paul uh, sent me in Foreign Policy. Uh, how how Canada got tough on guns and then kind of why it doesn't work in the US, you know, because of the constitution and all that, is interesting. is a is an is an interesting story. It's it's just like I can see I can see both sides of the arguments. I, I feel gun control is important, but on the other hand, the the rules are sometimes just completely insane and arbitrary. Like they're just they're just dumb. Like you can't have like. 16 round magazine you need like an eight round magazine great right yeah just take two magazines <laughs> i have to reload once why i mean if nobody else the police isn't there yet 
it doesn't matter if I reload, like, you know, it doesn't take long to reload a Glock. Um, anyway, uh, so Paul continues. Funny how this happens in a province where, oh, so this is, uh, he said in another story, Vancouver Yoga Studio turns away customers who want to wear face masks, says patron. Funny how this happens in a province where someone gave you misinformation about my province. Shouldn't people have a right to wear a mask, something to chew on for your podcast? And he ends and sends nothing. And that's something I wanted to quickly talk about as well. Um, yes. Um, I mean, shouldn't people have the, a right to wear a mask? I, I don't think anybody disputed that. I don't think any of the other producers, listeners who wrote in disputed that. I haven't heard anybody ever say that. Like, you shouldn't have a right to wear a mask. Like, even the most... <laughs> Uh, people probably call them right wing or conservative or the, the, the most anti-mask people I, I follow on social media have never said that right the only thing we may have said on this show is um the, the question i always ask is is it the the debate is is it okay to f basically force people to wear a mask right they can't do that by law in germany for example so what they do is they force businesses to enforce this, right? They force businesses to force you to wear a mask, which I, I find that incredibly, like the way they're doing that, like when I talk to people who are pro mask wearing, it's not like that I'm against mask wearing. That's not the point. I think it should be everybody's personal decision. But I feel like the way they are using that, like as a backwards way of forcing that in, in itself is incredibly sleazy. It's like they know that our laws are not are not set up in the way where they can just go, everybody has to wear a mask in public. They can't do that. They say that, but they, can, they can't actually pass that policy. Right? The only way this works is if they tell um, businesses, you will be fined inordinate amounts of money if we find people without a mask in your premises, on your premises. Because businesses can say, for any reason, you can't get in. You know, they don't have to let you in. Um, they can do that. And then the same thing is with the public transport. They can't actually pass a law where they say you have to wear a mask in public transport. But the public transport company is a company and they have rules that you have to abide by when you buy a ticket, when you enter into a contract with them. And so they can enforce that again. And it just, it just, that just feels sleazy to me. Now, I think actually mask wearing helps. And I think it's actually useful. Um, and especially as we see now, you know, as it comes out, as even the WHO is now saying, it's probably just, oh, this virus is probably uh, almost exclusively um, spread through aerosols, um, which, you know, if you if you listen to this podcast and you read my blog, you know, we've, we've heard this from from other people who are not the health experts who've analyzed the data months ago. Um, yeah, it, 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 it probably helps, but I, I'm feeling like it shouldn't be, it should be up to people, right? I, I completely, what I find, so people always talk about Japan and how J Japan dealt with this really well, because in Japan and in other Asian cultures, it's, it's like part, it's been part of the culture for years and decades that, you know, even if you just have a cold, you wear a mask because you don't want to infect other people. I find that it incredibly commendable. 
I find it great if we could get to educate people. Um, you know, if we if we if we went down that road where we basically went, hey, we're not forcing you to wear a mask. You don't have to wear a mask if you want, but it's really better and it's better for everybody. And if we just did that, I would have no issue. But we're basically shaming people and people in public, they're shaming other people for not wearing masks. And it should be your personal um, decision. As it's with everything else. If your religion says you have to wear, you you, you should wear a whatever around your head, then we go, yeah, okay, if you want to do that, do that. But we're not like expecting other people to adhere to that. And I just feel like that is a that is a culture change. Um, and what I find ex extremely worrying, what I found extremely worrying was in the beginning where we had no fucking clue. Where all like the virologists, our health officials, the WHO, everybody at first said you don't have to wear masks. Then you, then masks are probably good. And then they were like, yeah, we we feel like masks are good, but we don't know. Right, there, there was no data on this. So this whole thing, oh, it's based on science. It's all, look, I sneezed on an agar plate and there are no bacteria on there. Like, that's all fucking science. You had no fucking clue. There was a shot in the blue. It was from the beginning a fucking shot in the blue. So don't go, oh, it's, it's science, it's fucking... You don't have a fucking clue how science works. No fucking idea what you're talking about. So yes, I... Sh should, people should have the right to wear a mask. They shouldn't. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Um, I feel they should not have a right to tell me to wear a mask. Right? And I probably would in most... I mean, one of the reasons I feel so bad and I don't want to do it is just because I feel like I'm being forced to. <laughs> if, it, if it was up to myself and if it was just a conscious decision where I was going, well, gonna, do I do this now or not? I would do it. Because it's not that much of an inconvenience. I'm just being being difficult <laughs> and aiming to misbehave because I don't feel like the way society came to this decision and enforced it on everybody is right. And it goes completely... Uh, in this country, in Germany, it goes completely counter to all the decisions about or all the discussions we had in, in previous decades about, you know, should people be should they force people to wear some certain clothing? Should they be allowed, you know, if they're teachers and they have a certain religion, should they be allowed to wear certain clothes? You know, and all that always, always erred on the on the side of let the let the individual decide, right? And now it's just everybody wears Right? That's just... That fucking rubs me the wrong way. Anyway, different subject. It, it turns out I'm just ranting in this segment either uh, as well. Um, I'd say I'm sorry, but it's really a sorry, not sorry kind of situation. <laughs> so Martin, who's written in before, um, provides a... Um, cont continues our discussion... Uh, we had on a previous episode, this was last time I uh, talked about stuff. What episode was that? Why is that? What does that say? No, it was episode 27 was the last time he wrote in. Um, 
And we had a kind of a little discussion about conspiracy theories. And, we, you know, we'll keep that going because Martin writes in and says, um, I agree that, quote, quote, conspiracy theories are an unhelpful term that is often used to downplay actual conspiracies. The term fantasist would be more accurate. Um, I feel like that term fantasist is a good term. Um, I, I think you misunderstood me a little bit. Um because I don't think it's being used to ac downplay actual conspiracies because we don't know if there are conspiracies, right? Because at, at the point where it comes crystal clear, then everybody just agrees. I think it's just, it's a fighting, it's a, um, it's a political term to just brand people that you don't agree with, right? You go, oh, that, that opinion is ridiculous. You're conspiracy theorist. It's like a, it's it's just like a way to silence people, right? It's it's a way to and the, the, what really rubs me the wrong way is the media using this term in this way, which they do, which colleagues of mine do, right? They silence a certain opinion that they don't want to. Um, mostly, they just don't want to expose themselves to. They they don't want to discuss it. They just brand them as you know, conspiracy theorists, and then they have they don't have to deal with it. They basically go, okay, these people are certifiably insane. We don't have to deal with their ideas. Um, Martin continues, I had to law laugh when you brought religion into the conversation. Personally, I agree that it is fantasy too, but there's an obvious difference. You can prove to most sane people's, satis sane people's satisfaction that the earth is round, Men went to the moon and a birth certificate isn't a monetary bond. With religion, you're off into the realm of philosophy. See, I think you're completely wrong there. I think you've been suckered um, by a hypocrisy that, that is one of the biggest hypocrisies uh, in, 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 this, in science and philosophy, just in general discussion every day that pisses me off. Because people do not, for some reason, people do not apply the same scientific standards that they apply to everything else to um, religion, right? So this this is, as a kid, it's, it's just been driving me insane because it happens on, on American TV all the time. Uh, so you'll have you'll have a U.S. Uh, Hollywood uh, TV show, um, like you even have stuff like Star Trek, where you ha where you have people in the future and science rules everything, and they work for like Starfleet, and everything's based on science. And then there's they talk about believing in God, and you're like, what? You're a scientist in Starfleet, right? Uh, you know, if, if that's your ethos, if you're judging your world by scientific standards, you can't believe in God. And what you fell prey to there is you're turning around the burden of proof. So what, what, what you're saying is, if I say the earth is flat and you say the earth is round, then, you know, I'd basically either one of us, you know, would basically have you. You'd go, okay. You'd go. I. You'd go. Um, the Earth is round, and here's my proof, right? I've got satellite pictures from NASA. I have here's here's a rocket. Like we have life feed of a SpaceX rocket, and it goes away from Earth. And at some certain point, you can see the Earth starts going round, right? You have those video. You know who's that crazy Aust Austrian guy who jumped from that? balloon you know what i mean when he was so up high you could see the earth was round um so you have all that and i go no the earth is flat and and i have no proof right so science science says you have proof i don't have any 
proof after reasonable scientific standards, you have proof of the scientific standards, then obviously under under the, the, you know, the scientific method, your, your claim, we have to accept your claim as the correct one. If I say, well, God exists, and you say, no, God doesn't exist because we do not have any, um, any, um, any reasonable evidence that tells us that God exists and I have nothing, right? I can't, I can't prove God exists. You can't prove God exists. Then for the scientific method, we have to assume that God doesn't exist. At best, we can say we don't know. And that's, that's where the philosophy comes in, right? Do you say, uh, no, I mean, for me, the philosophy is just, are you a nihilist or whether agnostic or whatever? Like, basically, are you saying, I, I believe God doesn't exist or are you saying, I, be, I, I don't know? And then there's the question, do you, I don't know and I care or I don't know and I don't care. Right? I personally, I don't know and I don't care. But like, you, you're turning around like the burden of proof there. The people under, a scientific, under the scientific method, the people that unequivocally say God exists, they need proof. They need proof now. And I don't mean, oh, we have a book that is 2,000 years old that says, oh, something like a miracle happened 2,000 years ago. That's not fucking proof. Right? You need proof now. You need to prove it to me right now. And yes, you can say, we don't know, so I'll choose to believe, because if I don't, I'll end up in hellfire, right? Yeah, you can, you can do that, but that's not the scientific method. So I don't think this is, uh, this is philosophy at all. Um, I, I think this is, this is cold, hard science. I think we need to acknowledge that the people that are saying God exists have no proof for that. And if you then choose to believe... That God it's like with aliens, right? If you have the poster on your wall, I, I want to believe, right? If you have no evidence that something exists and you then choose to believe, you can do that, but that's philosophy. You, at that point, you're leaving the realm of science. The, the, the scientific picture is completely clear. Like from scientific people, you can't just go around and just say something exists and have no no proof for it. That's just, it's fantasy. Different topic. Uh, Martin continues. As for Cambridge Analytica, yes, the actual influence may have been small and limited to extremists, but and that's also not what I was saying. Extreme, but it doesn't matter. Egal. Egal! Uh, but I mentioned them only in passing because it's only part of the picture. All these things are connected, whether it be QAnon, sovereign citizens, the alt-right, etc. You often find the same people falling victim to a lot of the same stuff, up into including Trump. Up to and including Trump. It is disturbing how widely spread through it's disturbingly how widely it spreads through social media. Also, I have to say one of the sovereign citizen fantasists I've been speaking of is a highly qualified engineer. Many intelligent people have fallen victim to cults. All human beings suffer from critical thinking failures, so I'm not sure I agree that education is really that much protection. Um I don't I don't know. I don't think it's protection. It certainly helps you if you can, you know, if you, you know, it, it helped me massively to go to university and learn critical thinking. If you start to critically ask yourself questions, then you can poke holes in a lot of these things. But I also, I think you're seeing this the wrong way. I think it's going both ways. It's not only the QN and, you know, alt-right Facebook group 
thing and people fall prey to that you know listen to the latest episode last episode i feel it's the same thing on the completely the opposite spectrum with the mainstream media um you know the mainstream the the television and and newspapers that are now online that that most people watch the radio they listen to the the you know the, the the online newspapers they read um they disturbingly often come to a an opinion and then everybody just repeats that and everybody believes it's true they said absolutely insane things about that trump ukraine phone call which has now been completely been forgotten you know which they said trump did things which were blatantly not true right there was a transcript it was not in the fucking transcript and even as there was a transcript, you had people in the, you know, in the process, you know, Adam Schiff just making up shit. He, he he read out something he made up where he made Trump sound like he's fucking godfather. And he's like, oh, and he like invented stuff that weren't in the transcript. And like the, the, the New York Times and everything, it just ran with that as if it was real. They had the fucking transcript. You could look into read the actual fucking transcript and it wasn't in there. Right, and then there's people, yeah, but it's not in the transcript because they cut out of the transcripts. Yeah, yeah, maybe God exists, right? Do you have proof for that? It's like, I mean, it's it happens everywhere. People are just, it's it's not only conspiracy theories. People also fall prey to, and I see it every day. And the thing is, like, okay, with politics, it's not even my 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 subject. But I started as a journalist. I started to to really notice these things when they happened in. Um, when when they happened just in areas where I where I completely know what I'm doing and I'm writing about this right, so I'm when Facebook started doing um end-to-end -end encryption. This is one example, um, and they got Moxie Marlin Spike from Signal implemented the fucking Signal protocol for WhatsApp, state-of-the-art end-to-end encryption, and you had all these like mainstream media things publications in germany right? yeah but it's facebook they can still somehow read your data you're like no they fucking can't it's end-to-end -end encryption it's the point no they can get the data somehow on the server no they can't it's fucking end-to-end -end encryption yes you could argue you'd have a conspiracy theory that you know they didn't really implement that whatsapp uh, the, the signal protocol even though everything we, we when you looked at it for like weeks and months and tried to poke holes into it it fucking looks like it's the fucking protocol you can't fucking look it yeah there could of course be a backdoor in the code but there's certainly no backdoor on the fucking server like they were just writing things to, and these colleagues i know they don't even fucking know how end-to-end -end encryption works because the same people were ringing me up like i was writing in in ct and in heiser online i was looking at the protocol with colleagues we we're looking at the protocol writing really in-depth stories about the protocol how it works how it works for signal how it works on whatsapp what we checked and i had these same people ringing me up and talking to me and asking me how end-to-end -end encryption worked and they had no fucking clue and then they turn around and just write some random bullshit and to this very fucking day, I have people, like the other week, I was talking to a colleague um, who I'm just friendly with, you know, and we were just chatting and we were talking about Telegram and she was like, oh yeah, shouldn't we be on Telegram? Is that more secure than WhatsApp? And I was like, what? 
Telegram doesn't even have end-to-end -end encryption by default. You have to enable that. And then she was like, okay, yeah, I didn't know that. But uh, then WhatsApp isn't face is Facebook, right? So we can't trust them. I was like, it's end-to-end -end encryption. The point is you don't have to trust this. Ah! It's like to this very day, people believe this fucking shit. It's not like because the New York Times or Der Spiegel writes something, it's inherently more true than any like out there conspiracy theory from QAnon on Facebook, right? It could, it's just a source you trust more. That doesn't mean they don't spread stuff that's wrong. Oh God, today is a, maybe I shouldn't have drank so much of this Hoppy Joe Renty Ale. <laughs> it's, just, oh, it's just pissing me off, this kind of stuff. Um, Martin continues. I'm not going to get into the FBI entrapment plot thing you mentioned as it would be a whole other email that's true suffice it to say i'm well aware of the dirty tactics that get employed when you consider up when you consider up to half of the ira high command were actually undercover british agents it might put what happened to alex salmon in some uh, some context and he links a link to a story on what's this the belfast telegraph top of top of half of half of all top ira men quote worked for security services um, yeah, wow, interesting story that, by the way. But yeah, yeah, as, as you see, it, it's 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 just everywhere. Uh, one thing I would like to tell you, Martin, is uh, you use a lot of exclamation points. Um, maybe you want to look up what Terry Pratchett said about people who use a lot of exclamation points. Just try using less exclamation points. <laughs> Um, I, I would like to point out at this point that I, you know, I enjoy you writing me and I don't want to just, I, you know, so you write, yeah, I say something and then you say I'm wrong and you write that. And obviously I'm going to, going to come back with something, right? That doesn't mean you shouldn't write me again or something, or I, I don't value your opinion. It's, I, I see this, I hope people understand this. I see this as a, as an ongoing conversation, right? And I'm just gonna, you know, at some, with some things you're gonna, um, you know, uh, make me agree with your viewpoint. And then I just say, yeah, you're completely right and just move on. But obviously when I don't agree, I'm going to say something and then it takes time. And so it calls focus on that. But, you know, I, I hope you understand that this is all, all um, in good spirit. And we're just having a discussion here. And let's move on because we still have some stuff to talk about. We have Fadi Mansour who writes in a lot and I really value his feedback too. And he says, uh, he gives us, at first he gives us another boots on the ground report from the Czech Republic, which I had asked for, you know, um, to, for people to tell me how like the, what happened with the local restrictions for them. And Fadi says, uh, the government has relaxed the restrictions and borders to neighboring countries have been opened. Masks are not mandatory anymore in closed spaces, but are still encouraged. The metro is an exception, and it's still mandatory to have the mask there. I see people in generally are more relaxed, and last week we had a good time at a nearby lake, and the same number of people as last year were there. At work, there are still measures, so I have to have a mask when at premises. But most people are still working from home still an option and there is still required Kurzarbeit I wonder if they don't have a word for that Kurzarbeit is like you know when you work less and I think you get paid less it's a German thing um, same here by the way people are a lot more relaxed uh, they're not wearing like even in, in establishments you know where they have to 
people are often not wearing masks and they're just flaunting authority. Um, the thing that's happening in Germany, I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, but people are just wearing their masks pro forma, right? So they're just wearing them over their mouth or something, like not even over the nose. And that's just what happens. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I'm personally not convinced that um, this mandating this um, works because people just go, yeah, okay, I, I got a mask on. Well, it's not over my nose. You can't find me for that or something. You know, you can't find the 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 the, the store owner because the random person in there wasn't wearing their mask over their nose. I, I don't think that kind of really works. So that's just the stuff that that will happen. Um, that's why I personally feel it's it's better if people do it out of their own volition because then they'll do it properly. Um, Fadi continues, but in the news, you find stories about the number of infections getting higher. At one point, it was less than 100 infections per day. Then it went back to around 250. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, but the question is that, is, isn't that, I mean, the question is, will we get it down completely or is that just going to stay like that? I don't know. Um, and I had to laugh when I read there on the governance page about COVID-19 um, and they're saying, quote, current information on COVID-19 caused by the Chinese coronavirus, emphasis mind, says Fadi, on the website of the Ministry of Health. I like that they don't mind being politically incorrect. <laughs> uh, well, Chinese coronavirus is actually bad because it's the the other you know SARS was also was also a Chinese like SARS one right also a Chinese coronavirus um, I think it should be called the, the Wuhan virus but huh. yeah as you say politically incorrect um, Fadi then also sent me another email um, about the previous episode where I talked to Mike um, you know the discussion with Mike. And Fadi says, thank you again for the interesting discussion. Actually, I had to re-listen to the episode again in order to remind myself on the feedback points. Wow, that's dedication. That is the, that was a long episode. That's a lot of dedication. I wasn't uh, it was an interesting conversation with Mike, so for sure it would be nice to listen to another one. Yeah, I think we'll we'll do Cambridge Analytica at some point. Um, the question was raised during the conversation about what media to consume and how. I have to say here that Mike's expectation of a magical pure source that someone can listen to and find the truth will never be. Truth in air quotes. He always puts that in air quotes. My point of view could be similar to what you were trying to describe, that the truth uh, would have to be sought between the lines from different sources. I believe that it's a fact of life that we have to recognize and live with. That nobody... Uh, Nobody has the truth, but only some partial information that maybe if collected into a whole would be the truth. But this would be almost impossible to do. You mentioned the trouble with eyewitnesses and there are other factors and personal biases that makes any source of information somehow questionable. My strategy is that first, we need to acknowledge this. And second, to collect as much as possible, as, as much different views as possible. You mentioned this in the conversation to somehow build an understanding. At some point, use the term plausible. This is something that I tend to use also. My strategy is uh, my strategy is that I listen to different sources and based on information that I already have, to assign the information some plausibility score and try to keep this in mind. Factors such as consistency, consistency and trust in the source all play a factor in 
the score. And the important thing is that I try to the important thing is that I try to avoid to think in absolutes. I think this is very helpful. Um, by the way, this goes back to um, what I obviously, you know, what I talked said about earlier about the conspiracy theories and the media that you know it's 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 gray. It's not like there's conspiracy theories and then there's the truth that you know the New York Times uh, publishes. It's it's all gray. Sometimes they have wrong information. Sometimes a conspiracy theory. There might be some valid information in that. Mike commented that many people are not this reflective when thinking about information sources. This might be correct, but this is exactly why it's important to try to remind people to think for themselves, which is what I always try to do with this podcast, and to be wary when they offload, in air quotes, their thinking to external entities that might not have their best interest in mind. I think this is really good. Um, one factor that makes this more complicated is something I've... Um, learned at some point so i listened to a podcast by the de designer of magic the gathering and he was talking about you know designing the game and uh different influences and he mentioned he he studied uh like media and storytelling and stuff like that and um he said you know it's basically there's lots of psychology involved there and he mentioned a theory i've forgotten what it what it was called but basically the gist is that as a as a human being, if you receive information, you know how we have we have different, um, basically storage spaces in our brain, right? We have short-term memory, long-term memory, and we we save different information in different parts of our memory, and it's around differently. And uh, so basically, there's this theory, which I think is is true. It's it's it's, it's very um, if you if you think about it, you'll you'll and analyze the, the way you're thinking and the way happens in rea stuff happens in reality, you realize this is true. Um, that generally as a human being, when you get information, the inf the, the actual, the, the kernel of information, what, 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 what you actually get is saved in a different part of your memory than where you got the information from. And the actual information is saved in more long-term memory and where you got it from is in like temporary memory and that gets erased really quickly and so the theory is that there are um and you will you will know this right if you think like there's lots of information you know that you read it somewhere but you don't know where or you know that you got this information somewhere but if you start thinking about who told me this like where do i got this from you you, you won't know and um and this is the theory is that this is evolutionary because back in the day we were like hunter gatherers or whatever if you had like berries right and and if you remember that this berry is toxic and you can't eat it right it's 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 venomous or this snake is venomous right it doesn't matter if you knew this because somebody of your tribe like told you or you saw somebody get bitten by the snake and then die or you you know you you once ate the berry and then puked it doesn't really matter where you like back in this evolution everything it doesn't really matter where you got that information from right so as as long as you know the information is correct the information is the thing that's important that you need to remember to survive like where you got it from if like caveman bob or caveman billy told you doesn't really matter 
back in the day. Now, these days, it's really important if you knew something, if you got it from a reputable news source or just somewhere else. So the problem, so this podcast by Mark Rosewater, that's his uh, name, the, the magic design. So what, what Mark Rosewater described was um, a big problem in our society, or just a phenomenon is that um, uh, you you get information by watching TV, let's say, right? And you don't, you get certain information that makes sense to you at in the moment. You think, oh, this is important information. This is logical. I'm going to save this. Um, but you can't remember if you got it on the news show or like the sitcom, right? Was it from Married with Children or from, you know, the seven o'clock news? That's the, that's the information you forget. So this is what is tragedy also about this when people start, you know, when this is based on memory and stuff. Sometimes people misremember things or they don't know where they got it from. This is why propaganda is so effective. You know, I mentioned Bernays and stuff. This is this is stuff if you're not Mark Rosewater and you you you're benign, you're trying to build a game and you know play with this. If you're evil and you want to manipulate people, you Edward Bernays, then you can make it you can um, you can use this phenomenon, right? A advertising uses this all the time because if you see advertising enough, you remember a fact from a net from an advertisement, and then you forget that you got it from an advertisement, right? So it might not be right. It might be from the viewpoint of the company trying to sell you the product, but you remember it as if it was information from a newspaper. So that that's something that even you know that gets is, is even making everything even more complicated. But going back to what Fadi said after another uh, sip of my ranty beer. Another point raised by Mike is what he called your anchor. Personal freedom. Here again, I cannot but agree with this. At the moment, I'm no longer able to think about morality in other terms. When is, when is it moral to encroach on personal freedoms? So I would love to understand what could be another anchor. For example, I understand that such that traits such as compassion are needed, but can it be forced? Um, I think what Fadi's trying to say there is like, you know, it's kind of the same thing with the mask, right? It's like a, um, the by and large, the argument for wearing a mask in public is you are you are compassionate towards other people. You're not protecting yourself, you're protecting other people. No, but the question is, can you force that? I personally think you can't. I mean, this is, you know, the people who don't wear it over the nose are just like a symptom of that. I, I have a deep-held belief, and I know exactly where this is from because I, I saved that with the memory. Um, I got this from reading uh, Bismarck's Collected Works. Um, I have a strong belief in, 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 in that the state shouldn't try to make people better. You know, that's why I like that uh, aim to misbehave speech uh, in serenity because that, that has, the, has the same direction. You know, Mal talks about at some point they will fall back to the belief that they can make people better. It's a very dangerous thing for a state to get into that. For me, that's not the job of the state. You know, as, as people will know, I'm a I'm a liberal. I would call myself a liberal, a classical liberal in the sense of you know, maximizing people's individual liberty. And, um, you know, the, the state shouldn't try to do moral decisions. The state should provide a pr framework where people can live together fruitfully, you know, and they're to certainly be protected from each other. You know, this is why I think we need the police, for example, you know, to defund the police bullshit, absolute insanity. Um, 
you know, the police should be just and should, should, shouldn't have too many powers, you know, and we should make sure that they're not fucking racist bastards, of course, but we need them, you know, because, it, it, you know, they're part of a framework that enables us to live together productively in society. And I feel when the state gets, uh, in, in, in Germany, we call it übergriffig, when the state tries to, um, just extend their hand and, you know, force their business on, on, on its citizens, um, to a, a large degree, then this always as, you know, it's always, creates trouble it never creates the desired effect and i feel like this is kind of the same thing and i feel like that's what fadi means when he said you know compassion is important and it's important as an anchor for people but you cannot force it right you cannot you cannot force people to be compassionate fadi continues to jump to another topic during the discussion you mentioned the case when in some cases people have only one quote, governmental source of information and use the term trust there. That absence, that absence other sources, people somehow have to trust this source. I think this was in, uh, yeah, uh, I was also talked about this in relation to a Russian listener writing at some point, um, Yevgeny, I think. Um, I would disagree with this. People might be forced to use this source as it's the only one available, but I would but would avoid to say that they trust it. Some would, though. He says, I think you're generally, um, you're generally right. I think I agree with you on that. You know, if you think about Iran and you talk to people from Iran, you know, they do know that their government is like the, in some cases, it might be the only source of information, but they do realize that it's heavily manipulated. Um, I hope I didn't ramble too much. In any case, well, you didn't ramble more than me. That's for sure. Um, in any case, let me finally just confirm your suspicion. Out of personal experience, having a child of your own will definitely change your brain chemistry. <laughs> um, thanks for... Uh, and then he says, continue to misbehave. Uh, thank you, uh, Fadi. Uh, thanks for chiming in on that as well. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, I don't think that's bad. Um, I think I feel like it's important to see as a parent. I think if you if you know that, that that's happening, that's... That's everything I can ask. That's all you need to know. Um, because then you know you're making certain decisions out of that motivation. I just feel like a lot of a lot of parents don't see that. And they 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 stop like out of per like not personal experience, me being a parent, but you know, with friends who who you know who who I've talked to had a lot of also political discussions and stuff. And then they go and have kids and then you talk about the same things and they just see things completely different. And they just, they, they stop to even consider that somebody could have a different opinion because they don't have kids. Like some of them, they're so bad. They even, um, they seem to be unable to understand that it's a valid thing to live in this world and not have kids out of your own, volition right i'm not talking like they always seem like to assume that somebody doesn't have kids before like they don't really want to ask because they basically think that somebody's infertile or something right but if you if you if you very offensively tell them that you you could have kids at any second um that you're not just not choosing to like that you can almost see like their brain shots short circuit um so yeah thanks for chiming in on that um if I mean, lots of food for thought here and lots of probably controversial things that I've said. So if you agree, if you disagree, please contact me. 
uh, private citizen press under feedback. There's all the feedback in the show notes and there's a contact link. It says contact me. Um, there's one on the general page in the footer. But if you go just to, if you go to fab.industries, um, foxhotalpha bravo dot industries that's uh, dot india november delta uniform sierra tango romeo india india echo sierra fab dot industries and then slash contact um or this contact in the top menu as well uh you have many ways to contact me and i appreciate it a lot i also appreciate people who support and produce the podcast in other ways um i.e by sending me money because you know in the time that i've sat here preparing this podcast and yeah you, you this this episode is probably a bad example because it just sounds like i'm just ranting i'm sitting here having a beer and i'm just ranting which is true in some way but you know i also feel like i give you important information um i hope i hope i i mean that's the point of this podcast um and if you if you value that um then you know this podcast produced on the value for value model which means you know if you think for yourself how you value that and if, if you do um then you know help help me out you can become a patron on patreon which is like a subscription thing and it starts at like a dollar a, a month basically which is i feel like you know that's that's asked yeah i mean i have i have costs for this podcast i have to buy this beer this is where's this from it's from norway Stavanger, Stavanger. I'm I'm gonna go to Norway. It's my my dad wrote me a message earlier today. The borders will be open. We can do our motorbike tour in August. And I was like, oh, hope, hope it'll work. Maybe I can drink that beer in Norway then, with this uh, with this amazing uh, fish on it. Anyway, I've, I've the point is I've got costs for this podcast. Please help me out. Uh, if you don't like uh, Patreon and you don't want to commit to a monthly thing there's also paypal you can send one-off donation no not really donations contribution it's not a donation under german law uh, i'm not i'm not a um uh you know uh oh god what's it what's the word damn it uh no i have to look it up to mine let's see sometimes sometimes i lose words non-profit well, that was easy. I'm not a non-profit, so I can't, you know, I can't tax deduct it. So it's not really a donation. It's yeah, it's chipping in. You're helping out. Um, you can do that on PayPal. Email address is producers at fab.industries. Producers at fab.industries. And um, with that, I come to the end of this show. It's it's been long enough. Once again, you we had a lot of content. That's that's almost like that's a pretty much five hours of content this week. I mean, come on, you, you can't complain in that regard. I hope. <laughs> um, yeah, let's end this show. Uh, so thanks to Bitemark, uh, Bitemark.co.uk, British hosting company. They uh, give me the service for free that I host the audio files on, which is very important to me. I couldn't do the show without them. So thanks to Bitemark done that for years um i love them check them out uh also thanks to raul kabazali who wrote a song and recorded it called acoustic roots which i use as the theme song for the show um and i would like to thank him for that and um yeah i can actually start start playing that in in a bit but i not not too early because i have a lot of names to mention 
which uh, are the people that are chipping in, that are helping out, that are, you know, uh, monthly um, subscribed on Patreon or in some cases uh, sent me money via PayPal. So I appreciate it, guys and gals, very much. I, from the bottom of my heart, I love doing the show. Um, you're helping out. Um, you're helping me justify this, you know, sitting here and not not writing for money and uh, doing this and uh, i i wish um more people would do it but you know it's it's all good um i don't want to you know that's why it's value for value it's it's completely voluntary and if you don't don't want to do it i'm completely okay with that um but you all did and i'm i'm really 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 grateful that you did so thanks to niall donegan michael mullen jensen who you heard on the previous episode jonathan m heavy georges walther dave rashid alamani butterbeans kai sears mark holland steve hose shelby kruver vlad fadi mansour jackie plage one i one one g matt jalleman joe poser philip klosterman ikn dirk didi dave amrish David Potter, Mika, Vitautus Sadowskis, Ricky M, Drive Zero, Martin, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Sylvia Vulcan, and SJ. Thanks to all of you. And with that, I will I will say goodbye. See you probably next Wednesday, because usually this podcast has an episode every Wednesday. Sometimes we have more. Uh, when I try to get out, but they keep pulling me back in with bullshit like the Hamburg police, uh, the David Wache just ringing people up on the Corona lists. Evil, evil bullshit. Then I have to do another podcast episode. Actually, I wanted to do another topic for this show. I, I had planned that. I wanted to do a second topic, but you know, as it goes, something else comes along. I've got all the topics on a list. I've got a big list here, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll have more shows. Sometimes more than one a week. Otherwise, I'll see you Wednesday with a new episode. Until then, remember... Always aim to misbehave. See you next time. Goodbye.